Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 29 of the Lessons Learned Podcast. In this moment, I am so grateful for the opportunity to make this episode. And I decided, Rhaenyra on my team, we were talking about doing a merch drop um, for Mother's Day, uh, a t-shirt, mug, um, print that say we can do hard things, Glennon Doyle Melton's quote. And the timing just aligned with Mother's Day. And so we thought, let's make an episode honoring our mothers, their absence, their presence, um, the ones who loved us so much, the lessons we learned in all the different ways from how mothers showed up in our lives, us becoming mothers ourselves, the surrogate mothers that we might have had in our lives. What role has mothering played in your own development and the lessons that you've learned about yourself? And it felt daunting today and last night when I was planning and thinking about the format and how we're going to do this because I can speak for hours on end about my maternal lineage and my mother and my grandmother and the various women who have mothered me in different ways throughout my life. And it feels sacred to hold space for this conversation, to hold space for the wombs from which we came, the wombs that we hold in, in our beings, for those who are listening who, who identify as women, and for the power that can come from that ability to create. And what we have learned, both good, bad, hard, loving, through all of it, so I just got off the phone with my grandma and my mom, separate calls, just threw on them <laughs> questions about lessons they've learned from their mothers. And it was really cool because I had never heard my grandmother talk about her own mother. Like that's four generations of family. And I it felt strange to be like, wow, I don't know much about my great grandma. I know that her nickname or like what she was called was Amma. And I know that that's what I want my potential future children, if we are so lucky to have them one day, to call my mom. I want I want her name to be Amma. And that was about like it. And so I asked Nanima, I asked her, what did you learn from your mother, from Amma? And this is what she said. Hmm. 
ਫਿਰ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਲੈਸਨ ਲਰਨ ਕੀਤਾ ਉਹਨੂੰ ਦੇਖ ਕੇ ਔਰ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਦੇਖ ਕੇ ਕਿਉਂਕਿ ਜੋ ਕੁਝ ਉਹ ਕਰਦੇ ਸੀ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਪਤਾ ਲੱਗ ਗਿਆ ਕਿ ਮੈਂ ਇਦਾਂ ਨਹੀਂ ਕਰਨਾ ਹਾਂ ਹਾਂ ਮੈਂ ਮੈਂ ਸੋਚਿਆ ਵੀ ਨਹੀਂ ਮੈਂ ਆਪਣੇ ਹਸਬੰਡ ਨੂੰ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਮੇਰਾ ਵਿਆਹ ਹੋਊਗਾ ਹਲੇ ਤਾਂ ਕੋਈ ਪਤਾ ਹੀ ਨਾ ਸੀ ਕਿੱਥੇ ਹੋਣਾ ਸੋ ਨਨੀ ਮਾ ਥੈਟਸ ਵਾਟ ਆਈ ਕਾਲ ਮਾਈ ਮੈਟਰਨਲ ਗ੍ਰੈਂਡਮਦਰ ਨਨੀ ਮਾ ਐਂਡ ਆਈ ਸਪੋਕ ਫੋਰ ਲਾਈਕ 30 ਮਿੰਟਸ ਐਂਡ ਆਈ ਜਸਟ ਆਸਕਡ ਹਰ ਅਬਾਊਟ ਮਦਰਿੰਗ ਐਂਡ ਵਾਟ ਡਸ ਥਿਸ ਲੁੱਕ ਲਾਈਕ ਇਨ ਹਰ ਲਾਈਫ ਐਂਡ what she shared with me was that her mother was a very majboot or strong woman and was someone who was very strict she came from a well-to-do family and nanima's dad uh came from a middle class average working hard family and she said that a lesson she learned from amma was always about how to be pristine and exact in our appearance and how we show up in the world in our habits in our um appearance it was always about being disciplined and showing up well in the world so things like we never left the house without ironing our clothes my mother never let me leave the house in sweatpants she would be <laughs> i now live in sweatpants so <laughs> it's also funny how we can rebel against the certain things that our mothers teach us or our parents teach us but nanima also shared that because of that strictness in her mother she didn't necessarily learn love and nurturing from her mother she also said that the relationship between her mother and her father because of the difference in upbringing her mother was really hard on her grandfather and nanima remembers being young and thinking when i grow up i'm going to treat my husband so well and i'm going to have such a loving relationship with my husband that it never looks like this and that was how she lived her life with my grandfather she prides herself on never having raised her voice or his voice with her in any part of their relationship in fact when they were getting married um they had an arranged marriage so my grandmother was in 6th grade and my grandfather was in 10th grade when they were engaged and it was a priority that my grandmother finished school my grandfather said this like to finish school before an actual marriage happened and so my grandmother went to college and then they got married and that was a very forward thinking way of having a union back then but my grandmother also said to my grandfather i will never wear makeup and you have to be okay with that she was a very is a very simple natural healthy powerful loving nurturing kind generous woman and i feel so blessed that she is my matriarch and that i have had the experience of her love in my life another reason this episode felt so daunting is because i know i'm going to cry multiple times this is time 1 and for those of you watching on youtube that right there is a picture of me and my grandma behind me and that's one of me and my mom and my dad so they're with me right now <laughs> so a lesson i've learned from my grandmother is so much to do with her nurturing and what she has survived. So my grandmother lost two daughters in her lifetime. One, my aunt, my lovely Masi, my aunt, she passed away in my grandmother's arms from anaphylactic shock when she was home from on a break uh from college. And it was very devastating and tragic. My mom was already in Canada at that time. and lovely Masi was very very young early 20s at the time 
And anytime I think of that, <laughs> it devastates me. It just makes me feel so sad about that reality of, of what my grandmother had to experience so early in her life. And then my Runamasi passed away when I was 19. And she was also very young. And my little cousin Ravi, um, her daughter has a learning disability, um, a global delay. And right after Runamasi passed away, like I saw my mother in shock and process and go through her trauma and me as still a child on the cusp of understanding my own womanhood had to mother my own mother and then I moved to Calgary for a month to take care of Ravi and to help with logistics of the funeral of so many different things and got to spend some really beautiful time with my grandmother with Nanima as she was processing the grief of losing her own child they often say that the greatest tragedy in life is when like a parent has to bury their own children and my grandmother had to do it twice and my mother had to lose two siblings in her life both of her sisters the power of it too because so much of witnessing this grief and experiencing it in my own ways enabled my empathy and capacity to show up for others and understand love because the thing that I've learned from my grandmother, the reason those stories are important, is that we can remain soft and vulnerable and empathetic in the face of having endured some of life's greatest traumas. And she models that for me every single day. Like when she, you guys heard her voice, when she says hello, like the way she says I love you, there's just such a softness and a endearing like untouched love that she has. And now that takes me to my mother, Ma. Oh, wow. Like, I have learned so much from my mother. <laughs> and it's not all good stuff, you know? Like, we've been through so much hard, so many hard times. Like, from when I was like 11 to 14 was very hard for my mother and I. I, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> I'm in the extremes. I am um, very fiercely independent. I believe in what I believe in. And my mother is a bull. She's a Taurus. And we would butt heads time and time again. And I grew up in a very chaotic, intense household. Um, my uncle, as I've shared in the past, was an abusive alcoholic, and we all lived together in a conjoined family, two families in one household that operated. Like, my my cousin siblings were like my brothers and sisters. And it just could get confusing and very chaotic, but I shared a little bit of this. Um, actually, let's just listen first to the lessons that my mom learned from her own mother, from Nanima, and how those have sort of colored her life right now. But my mom was very, very, like, heartful with the lovingness and uh, looking after us and uh, considering us, like, uh, uh, we were her priority, and that's what I learned from her. Mm -hmm. Like, 
how to deal with the children or how to what to and when to like provide them what their desires are their needs are and you can read your children's minds in terms of like facing hard things what did you learn from nanima about like moving through hard moments in life just cross the hurdles peacefully gracefully and calmly Mm-hmm. don't get agitated with the hurdles don't get a uh, uh, kind of discourage from the hurdles right mm-hmm. and uh, don't get like depressed from the hurdles like whatever hurdles comes right front of you think about this is god given thing and this is in our written in our destiny nobody mm-hmm. can change it mm-hmm. right so be humble and be strong to look after those hurdles and not like uh, and one thing i learned from my mom like if you're living in the uh, united family right it's not like if you are upset with somebody else and then chillana uh, uh, your own children's like mm-hmm. get mad at them because you can't say anything to them like those kind of things you have to be being a mother and that's what i learned from my mother like if you are upset with somebody else not to take talk, it out on your kids yeah taking it on your kids and stuff right mm-hmm. handle in proper way and proper manner and don't let anybody um uh, rule um uh, on you mm-hmm. like just uh ruling you and then you should know how to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. that i learned from my mom too tere manch ki what did you learn that's what you're going to tell them right yeah that's what i'm going to say on the show uh-huh i would say like resilience you've taught me a lot about resilience because we've been through so much and like have had to come through so much together um yeah. and i think like because it started when i was so young you showed me how to show up in the face of hard things. Yep. On every day, right? Cuz like growing up at home it was always a little bit chaotic, but you brought structure whether it was through like we're going to have meals at this yeah. like your food's going to be on the counter and it's always going to be delicious and made with love even yeah. if, you know, we couldn't trust the volatility of thyage yeah. or what was happening in the house like we knew yeah. that there were certain anchor points. And yeah. then education like after fourth grade when i when i that intervention happened when i was failing and then we got me back on track it was like i learned that if i focused on something or found goals yeah i could build my own version of happiness or success and that the the day-to-day struggle didn't have to define me um and i think also like giving back to the community is something you and papa showed me and thyaji and thai like every day how much of a priority it is yeah i mean i could go on that's why this episode's probably going to be a long one because i could just go on and on and on <laughs> but i think it's important too like we came through our hard times like and periods of time where we had different hard times and like our hard times in in our relationship too because there are lots of people who like don't have good relationships with their moms or or are working through hard times with their moms and we did that stuff too and came through it and and were stronger because of it um and learned a lot about ourselves in in those hard times too yeah 
Yep. Alright, I'll talk to you later then. Okay, I love you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. What I love about what my mom shared is around this piece of learning from Nanima that regardless of what's happening in your house, regardless of how you're being treated by those around you, you don't take it out on your children. And sometimes I think that my mom went the other way where it's she wouldn't take it out on us in terms of anger or aggression um, or mistreatment, but she would put her hopes and dreams into us in a way that made us very strong and capable young people, but also set her up for disappointment when it came to not necessarily always knowing or, or creating space for us to make our own choices when it came to big things in our lives. And that was when Mitch or my mom and I had kind of the hardest part of our relationship, which was four or five years when I was 20 till 25, 26-ish, um, when I introduced Mitch into our world. Ma really saw a different life for me with a Punjabi brown partner. And I had fallen in love with the love of my life in with such unconditional, powerful love that when I told her about him, I said, Ma, I'm not asking your permission. I'm just wanting to let you know because I don't want to lie to you. I have decided, like, this is the thing. I just don't want to lie to you anymore. And so I broke her heart in that moment. And that unbecoming and unraveling of expectation-based love and the recreation now of our expectation-less love is what has allowed us to now become best friends and to meet each other where we're at as adults. And when I think back to her being 30 and having me like ma had some miscarriages in her 20s and had my brother when she was 27 and me when she was 30 it's interesting to reflect back on it and and feel like i'm grateful that my mom had her 20s and even though it would have been so difficult to navigate those losses and the pressure that my grandmother was putting on my my paternal grandmother my my father's mother was putting on her to have children um like there must have been so much pain in that experience but knowing that she had me at the age that I'm at right now like there was emotional competency or just capability as a mother and maturity that I think lent itself to her being the kind of mom she was she wasn't just a kid raising us like she was a woman raising us and that's really powerful. And so unraveling those expectations and rebuilding a relationship where those expectations were lessened was a really powerful exercise for us as grown women. And for me, like I am not a mother. I have been mothered. I mother people in my life in the ways that I can um, by showing up for them as fully as I can. But I've learned so much from the women in my life about the power and the learning and the mirror that motherhood is for us in the directions that it's channeled. And I do really look forward to the day when I can be a mom one day.
And when I have that opportunity, when I have that um, privilege, whether it's of my own children, if I can create them or children we adopt, whatever that looks like. Um, Because I know that everything I think I know now is going to be turned upside down (laughs) when I become a mom (laughs) and when I have to show up in those ways. But it's such a beautifully complicated, magnificent experience. And so now I want to open it up to lessons that you guys shared with me about what you've learned from your mothers. So let's jump into slide into my DMs. And normally I pick just a couple of these slide into my DMs, but today I'm going to read them all because we're in quarantine and what else are you doing? (laughs) But also because these stories are so unique and our stories of lessons learned from our mothers are so unique that they all deserve the time uh, on air. So Ali Estel says, while the timing of when I became pregnant was not what I wanted, it had to happen at that time for me to not only have the girl I do, but grow into the woman I am now. And let me tell you, she is such a powerful mother. Zena says, I have an extremely strained relationship with my mom, which we are trying to navigate and rebuild, but it is extremely hard. I was angry at my mom for a very long time and still kind of am. But since having a daughter of my own, the greatest lesson that I've learned is that to mother a child is really an exercise in mothering yourself first and addressing, healing, and forgiving yourself for your own trauma. I'm learning to empathize with my mom for her way of mothering me, as I recognize now that a lot of her behavior stems from unaddressed trauma she's had throughout her life. Being from an older immigrant generation, she also refused to acknowledge this trauma or talk to anyone about it. She doesn't see how it manifests in the way she mothers. And it makes me so sad to see how much unacknowledged pain she has and is going through, which manifests in her behavior. In mothering my own daughter, I've realized that my own trauma, my deep-seated sense of unworthiness, embarrassment, feelings of abandonment, and the like, manifest in my behavior when I am triggered into yelling or being short-tempered or conditioning my quote-unquote affection on good behavior. And it's been such a wake-up call and also so incredibly difficult to rein in my ego, do the inner work, and try to let my daughter flourish into her own person. Wow. Thank you, Zina. Kurana says, people come and go, but my mama is and always will be there for me, forever BFF. Laura shares, a lesson learned being a mom of two now. Being a mother and a woman are part of the same female experience. Tearing myself apart for being a bad mom, not a good enough mom, stems from me not thinking that I am good enough as a woman. I constantly do the work to remind myself to be kind to my body, my mind, to love myself unconditionally. When I feel centered as a woman, it doesn't seem to matter what I'm doing with my girls. I just feel like what I'm doing is enough and I am enough. There are no right or wrong answers anymore. No critical voices in my head. So be good to yourself, and the rest will follow. Can we just talk about how wise all of you are? This is something I am so grateful for, is the wisdom and power in each of us. And when we're asked the right questions or given the space to share 
how much strength can come out of us and is in us inherently and innately. Like it's not like there's something special about any one of us. It's like we are all so magnificent in our lived experience and in everything we can extract from it. And what you guys are extracting and sharing just lights me up. And I feel so lit up also because I don't get to be around physical humans right now. So this is fueling me so much. And I hope it's also fueling you. We can do hard things together. Now back to the lessons you've learned. Shalini shares, I have learned the greatest lesson from my mom that we mothers aren't there for too long. I lost my mother when I needed her the most. Today I am a mother and I give my children all my time to be with them. I do not know how long I'll be around. It's not on a negative note. I want them to learn and live life without being dependent on anyone. I learned to be strong for my mother. I want my kids to be strong like me. (laughs) From Kim. My mom was raised without any brothers. It was just her and my sister, my mussy. I admire her for her strength and compassion. She has been through so many hurdles in life because she didn't have any brothers. She taught me to be financially independent, to rely on myself, and to never give up in a moment of weakness. She basically raised my brothers and I on her own while also raising my dad's nieces and nephews. My dad worked for CN Rail, which resulted in him being away from family for extended periods of time. My brothers and I are who we are because of her. She is my everything. To add some context to Kim's comment, in Indian culture, it's very patriarchal. So her mother having only a sister means that her family may have been looked at as less than, or her mother and her masi might have had undue pressure or negativity thrown at them because they weren't men. So I feel her strength, Kim. Thank you for sharing. Heather says, it's possible to end the generational trauma cycle. Again, for the people in the back, it's possible to end the generational trauma cycle. Thank you for the reminder, Heather. Hall shares, I've learned after becoming an adult and having more frank discussions with her, how much she intuitively knew what to do and what I needed, but was advised not to follow that motherly instinct. I have learned the depth of the pain she felt when I was in pain, how hard she tried to support me, and how much she loved me. I learned that she stayed alive because of my sister and I. She is my heroine, my greatest inspiration, and my most trusted advisor. And no, I didn't say heroine, I said heroine, which is the same thing, but also sounds like heroine, so my apologies. (laughs) Thank you, Hall. Brittany shared, My mom is a recovered alcoholic, and there's been a lot of lessons about resilience. Abby says, I have such a strong mama. My mom has taught me to speak up and use my voice. Banjin says, Courage and faith. She never lets that waver, and I hope I am able to remember that in my life. You already do, and so you will. Amanda says, absolute unconditional love. Kim shares, empathy. Her absence taught me compassion. Much later in life, though, lol. (laughs) And Pinky says, this box isn't big enough. This show isn't big enough. (laughs) This show isn't long enough. Oh, 
I'm so in my feels with this one. I think it could also be that I know I'm not going to see my mom or my grandma for many months because of quarantine. And so it's already been the longest period of time I haven't seen my mom. It's been four months. And I know that's not a long time for many people. But for us, I would make it a priority to see her every three to four months um, because we live so far away. But alas, something that I love that my mom has taught me and it's particularly important right now in quarantine is a couple of things, actually. When I was growing up, when my mom would read us bedtime stories, there would be one story she would read more than others. And I think almost like exclusively, this is the story that she would tell me to go to bed. And it was about the tortoise and the hare and how slow and steady wins the race. The tortoise would always make it over the finish line um, before the hare, because the hare would get really excited, go so fast, need to take a nap or get distracted. And then the tortoise would just be going pitter-patter, slow and steady to get to that finish line. And I think Ma had a sense with me, maybe as her child, that this would be a really important lesson to share with me because I would go a mile a minute. I would go real fast and then I would crash real hard. And that was a cycle I repeated for so much of my life until the truth of that story. Because also the lessons we've learned from our mothers, we don't really learn them until we live them. We don't really learn those lessons until we live them. And so they only become cemented or concretized in our bodies and our experiences once we face those specific hardships in our adult lives and get that clarity and understanding of why our mothers were the way they were, why they taught us what they did, and why those lessons were so important to them. Like when my grandma shares that seeing her mother and father and how they interacted inspired her to want to have a very healthy, loving relationship with her partner. Those are the sorts of lessons that really are the ones that I take home and live through every single day that I learned from my mother. So slow and steady wins the race is one of them. And while we're in quarantine, this lesson applies because we can't go fast right now. The stress response and the chronic stress that we're all under is forcing our capacity to diminish. So we have to surrender to the fact that things are going to be slower now than they have in the past. We are going to move slower than we did in the past. But slow doesn't mean inefficient. And slow doesn't mean we will not have progress. Slow and steady means consistent, and it means we can prevent burnouts, and it means we can take care of our mental well-being more thoughtfully right now, potentially, depending on the stressors that we have in our lives, than we might have been able to outside of this. And so slow and steady wins the race. This is literally like if there was something I would tattoo on my body, which my mother does not let me have tattoos, even though I have a secret tattoo on my hip. Um, this is what I would tattoo on a visible part of my body. <laughs> Next is, and my mom actually shared this when I talked to her, um, is around taking care of ourselves in our relationships and celebrating ourselves and just being so wildly independent with our own belief in ourselves that she says, as she says, remain humble, but know who you are. And I've elevated this to, this is what's going to make this episode explicit. Sorry, parents who might be listening. Um, 
to remember who the fuck you are. Um, Ma always, always, always reinforces for me that no one else is going to celebrate her. She needs to celebrate herself. And if external celebrations happen, that's great. But her own peace of mind is built on her own self-love and capacity to celebrate herself. And the way that my mom does that is through being dressed to the nines every day. There was no one more graceful, elegant, beautiful, fashionable than my mother. Um, fashion is her self-expression. She's a creative. She's an artist herself. Um, and this is actually something, pause here. As I've been making more art these days and making these quote art that I'm doing on Instagram, I realized that like part of, I, I'm an artist. I'm an artist, you guys. Newsflash, you've all probably known this. I've known this on and off in my career, but it really landed for me when I realized my maternal grandfather, my nunnaji, he would write poetry in Urdu and then he'd grab a glass of scotch and call into a radio show on the weekends and recite his poetry live on the air. My mother, when she married my father, was waiting in India for a number of months for her visa to come through and during those nine or ten months took up painting for the only time in her life and painted on so many canvases that my grandfather refused to buy her more so she turned the canvases and painted on both sides of them. And one of those paintings is hanging in my living room and it is beautiful and it is sensual and it is so stunning. And so I've gone all this time denying my artistry because I feel like it's not acceptable in a context where intellect and professional declarations and being a doctor or whatever is valued as so much more important. But my artistry oozes out of me. Even in creating these shows, the artistry of how it put, gets put together, the way that I am with words, like I am an artist. And I learned that from my mother. And my mother has always accepted this in herself and in her self-celebration and in loving herself. She evokes that sensuality, that love, that grace, that visual stunningness that she has with everything she creates. Even the way she puts a fruit salad together is beautiful. And so I have learned to appreciate beauty because of my mother. And when it comes to self-love, actually prioritizing self-care, making appointments for massage, for physio, for chiro, doctor's appointments, the hard type of self-care, my mother reinforced for me because no one will do it for you, Komal. You have to take care of yourself. I have a big win. She says, you must celebrate yourself because you cannot de depend on others celebrating you and you deriving your self-worth from those external celebrations. Even on anniversaries, brown parents, like brown dads, aren't the ones to go out and get gifts or flowers or whatever for their partners, or at least it's not my dad's way of evoking or showing love. So Ma buys her own flowers for herself. Ma <laughs> buys her own wedding or anniversary gifts for herself, her own birthday gifts. She doesn't rely on anyone else. And yes, I buy her flowers every year and she loves the bouquet, but she is so self-sufficient with her self-love and care that I aspire to that level of independence every day. And it's not to become an island or a fortress myself that doesn't allow love in. In fact, it makes me more of a semi-permeable membrane. It lets me become more capable of giving and receiving love because I'm so centered in my own love. 
Ma and this woman in my life who passed away a few years ago, Mindy, showed have shown me are the examples in my life that we can actually love ourselves. After years of loathing myself, of finding reasons to be stuck in the egoic self-hatred that can come, Ma and Mindy have reminded me and shown me the power of choosing to do the things that consistently over time prove to ourselves that we love ourselves and the power and strength that can come from that. I've learned that from my mother. I've learned that celebration of ourselves from my mother. So Ma, Nanima, Ama, Fran, Tai, all the moms in my life, you have taught me so much. You have helped me become so much. You have filled me with so much. I am forever grateful. I am forever indebted. And at a more zoomed out macro level, like who are we as a society without our mothers? The ones who mother, the ones who take the time to check in, the ones who take the time to be on the front lines, the nurturers, the ones who take care of us. There is a lot of mothering happening in society right now. And we must show our gratitude, our affection, our appreciation for those mothers, for those who are leaning into their mothering, for those who are taking care of so many of us. Thank you. I appreciate you. We are here for you. So this week, our journal prompts are about reflecting on our lessons learned from our moms. What can we take away from what they have shown us, not shown us, what their absence has taught us, what their neglect has taught us, what their affection, what their friendship, what have we learned from mothering? And how can we mother better in our lives, not necessarily children, but ourselves? I think one of the strongest lessons I've learned from myself and vicariously, or I guess um, from my mother and my grandmother and all the other mothers in my life as well, is how I am mothering myself. How am I showing up and caring for me right now? If we're alone in this time, if we are not able to be taken care of by someone when things are hard, which is now, how are we mothering ourselves? How are we showing up and caring for ourselves? How are we nourishing ourselves? How are we feeding ourselves? These are all acts of mothering. And so we need to reflect on that and ask ourselves, how can I be a better mother to myself right now? That's what we're reflecting on in the journal prompts this week. Thank you all of you for your time, for your love, for your care, for your listening. I hope you feel nourished and more full from this episode. If you love it, please share it. Until next time, happy Mother's Day. I love you. Be well. Nourish yourself. We are rising through this together, week after week, day after day. Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Komal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at LessonsLearned.co. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. 
As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye.